All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. And it is February the 12th, 2015. Uh, Yeah, that means that uh, Valentine's Day is just right around the corner. So you better get out and get your sweetie something or else you're going to get yourself in the doghouse, don't you know? Uh, We have some congratulations to send out, of course, to Darren Appleton for uh, taking the title in the Chinese eight ball. That uh, could not have been easy to do. I'm really interested in that game. I'm going to have to to give it a whirl one of these days. Um, Congratulations to Jasmine, obviously, for taking the WPBA Masters for 2015. Um, And congratulations to um, Rodrigo Geronimo for taking the Jay Swanson Memorial. Good job there. What's coming up? Well, you know, it's time for the U.S. Bar Box Championships. Those are about to, to kick off uh, out in Reno. If you hadn't, uh, you know, gotten uh, your stuff together, you better pack it up and go. It's also time for the World 10-Ball Championship. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, to see who goes to the 10-Ball compared to who goes to the Bar Box Championships. And, of course, there's also the Chuck Markulis, or Markulis, um memorial going on right now as we speak so there's a lot of pool going on uh got a great little show for you today we're going to be talking with uh, mr skip nemesek from tweeten uh we have a little round table discussion with him and uh, mark cantrell and myself uh talking about some current events and some different things that are going on in the world right now so that'll be interesting and then a little later on we'll be talking with scott frost so stick around for that And we'll be right back with you after your one-minute pool instructor. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. And welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. So what do we got this? uh... Well, today we're going to talk about the difference between... Uh, practicing playing and actual discipline practice. Part of the Ooh. the problem is uh, people's perception that if I just throw the balls out or if I rack them up and play the ghost, that that's a good form of practice. But what that's doing is actually practicing playing. <laughs> what do you consider to be discipline practice, Randy? Well, first of all, to practice you have to have a goal. You have to have written routines and you have to probably have a grading system on how well am I doing. I have to wait, have a way to measure my results. Yeah, you have to measure your results is right. Now, in order to do all that, you have to be very analytical. So let's say practice is a very conscious, analytical workout where you talk to yourself, you correct yourself, you do things, and you get results. All right? Now, those results may or may not be what you're after, but at least you've got something measurable at that point. Um, Just running pool balls off is not practice. I really like the practice of the mother drills without the cue ball, Mm -hmm. because it frees up the other side of the brain then to work on what you're supposed to be working on. Because the minute you give a student the cue ball, then their old habits immediately take effect and they have to do what they were trained to do bad or good, whatever it is. And it lets us uh, move away from being results-oriented yeah. and more about process-oriented. So, so, so a di- discipline practice is very analytical. 
you're very, very concise with yourself. Um, but it has to be a routine. And remember, we talked about this earlier, Scott, the 2020 rule. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we had it on the, uh, on the radio um, that you can only seriously practice for about 20 minutes. And then the brain just gets gobbled up. All right? It goes nowhere. Marek, you go past that. Overpractice is counterproductive. It is. So if, if practice is an analytical way to improve your game, then what is playing? Well, that's real simple. Playing is coming out of the subconscious, where we formed all those habits in our in our conscious mode, in our analytical mode. We form those habits over and over and over. And when we go play, we just allow our game to show up. We should take our practice routines right into game day without ever thinking about them. Can't think and play at the same no, time. No, golly, no. So what is play? Play is a form of practice without thinking about it. <laughs> you know, there's an old saying, I can only fight as well as I practice. And there's another old saying, practice makes perfect, but that's not true. No, it sure <laughs> isn't. Perfect practice yeah. makes perfect. So make sure we break down those two when you're out there trying to get better. If you want to practice, have a goal in mind. When you're playing, forget about it. Just go play. When you practice, know what you want to practice, know what you expect to gain from it, have a way to measure your results, have it not last too long or be too difficult or too easy, now, and move on to something else. And one of the things I found is when I'm really in a tournament, playing hard subconsciously, that I make an error, that'll be one of the things I go practice the following Monday. I'm trying to figure out what made that air, and, and I don't want it to happen again. So I have to break that down into my conscious brain so I can get it back into my subconscious. Pretty easy stuff, really. For the One Minute Pool Instructor, I'm Scott Lee. And I'm Randy G. And we'll see you next week. And we're going to talk about cue sticks. Oh, wow. Cue sticks. There's a lot of them out yes, there. Yes, there are. See you then. All right, we're back, and I'm talking with uh, Mr. Mark Cantrell uh, of the Legends and Champions Report and Mr. Skip Nemetek of Tweetin, the makers of Master Talk. How you doing, Skip? I'm great, David. How you doing? How you doing, Mark? Well, thank you for asking. I'm doing well as well. Good, good. Good to talk to you. Um, you know, this week I'm talking a little bit uh, about uh, the State of the Union, we didn't really do an official show on it, but I figured we should address it at least at some point. Um, you know, how things went for 2014 and uh, how things might look for 2015. So um, Skip is going to give us his thoughts on that because he gets a, a pretty good worldwide view on the state of things. So anyway, Skip, tell us, uh, you know, how did you think it went for uh, 2014 in the world of pool? Um. <laughs> I, I haven't shined up my crystal ball recently, but, <laughs> you know, I, I thought it went well, um, certainly better than 13, I believe, uh, 
from my perspective, we were we were very busy all year, and it and continued into this year as well. I know that there's quite a few American companies that certainly did a lot better last year than they did the years before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not going to mention any names because I'm sure they'd love to talk about themselves. <laughs> but I think there's probably I don't want to say an equal number, but there's certainly a, a, a number of companies that that still struggled last year as well in our industry. Sure, but sure. overall, uh, I think it was better. I think the sport. Um, you know, it's struggling in North America, there's no question, but I think in the rest of the world, pool is still strong, and uh, I, I see some good things on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. I think there was some positive strides made, uh, you know, despite, uh, you know, the potholes like the U.S. Open. I think that there's been a lot of effort put out into it, at least in 2014. There's been, uh, you know... <laughs> You said the bad word, U.S. Open. I know. <laughs> said the B word, the the Barry word. Well, but, you know, I, actually I think that's a really good example because, you know, for all the faults that may occur with the U.S. Open, it still is a pivotal event in North America, if not one of yeah. the very few um, world point ranking events in North America. And, you know, after 39 years, You'd kind of hope that Barry would 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 get a better template going. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to hold my breath, but but I, I still think it's an important thing. And, and quite honestly, I thought this year's U.S. Open or last year's U.S. Open was really exciting, and I think it led into uh, an equally like hugely exciting Moscone Cup in December. So I think the year ended off, as far as the sport was concerned, on a very good note. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I think there was some good strides made, especially the effort that, for example, that Matchroom put into it. They, you know, it might have been easy for them to kind of wash their hands of it, but uh, they certainly, um, I think they did as much as they could to see to it that the, a good game happened. What oh, if- I, I, <laughs> I thought that our last year was really cool. Uh, it was a great venue, maybe one of the best venues for a pool event, you know, sort of like... Uh, an in-the-round concert, actually. It was really cool. Uh, very Did you go, Skip? Yeah, yeah, I was there. I was definitely there. And uh, yeah, But the, I thought one of the coolest things was, and I actually took a picture of it um, to try to show some of the Americans, uh, but on day one, before they opened up the doors, and they actually opened the doors a little bit too late because they didn't realize that they were going to get 1,200 people, and... They needed time to get in their seats, and these are English guys. They needed to get six or seven beers. Uh, <laughs> but I was standing outside before they opened the doors up, and I'm not exaggerating. There was a line that was at least three blocks long of people waiting to get into the venue. Wow! And you don't see that too often at a pool event, and it was really, it was really cool to see that. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So. Yeah, I wish I could have gone, but we're going to go this year, so it's going to be just as exciting, I think, uh, with Good. the, with the changes coming and uh, with this new points system. Uh, you know, this, you know, and let me just say this real quick. I think that uh, what Matrim did in having the coach, having Mark Wilson pick the team, um, whether they intended it to be or not, was a good attention getter. It had people thinking about it. 
all year as far as how is this going to play out, you know, who's going to get the final pick, et cetera, et cetera. I think this thing with the points is going to kind of be the same way. It's going to be drawing buzz, attention to it, to all the events that it involves. So I think the turnout, again, will be just as intriguing this year uh, as it was last year as far as who's going to end up on the team. You, there's no way to well, tell for, now. For, for your information, and you may or may not already know this, um, I believe the last time it was held in the U.S., it, there was 800 was the capacity. Mm-hmm. And this year they're looking, uh, they're planning on accommodating 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful. You know, I've I've been going um, to every Moscone for the last, I don't even know now, at least eight years or nine years. Um, And I've always loved when they're over in the U.K. uh, and get a little bit disappointed in America because we just didn't have the following over here. But I, I think what you said, David, is absolutely right. They created a great buzz last year with Mark Wilson, I think they're continuing that um, for this year, and I hope that there's going to be a lot of people in Vegas in December to to not only support the team, but but really just experience the event for for what it yeah, is because right. it's it's truly an exciting event. It's it's a lot of fun. This is true. This is very true. It really is. You see a lot of things. You see a lot of things when you're there that you don't usually get to see a live sport event because. You know, it's not like an NBA game or an NFL game. You're a lot more, you're a lot more close up to the action. And there's the monitors on the up above, right? You can see, and when they stop at the end of a rack, you can see what the producers are looking at, and right. it's like the, the clock for the advertising and when it's going to end. And then they show their own in-house stuff and things like that. And you see what the commentary people are doing behind the scenes. In preparation, and then they have uh, John McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. He's a he's a like a warm up guy. He comes out at the beginning and talks to everybody and tells some jokes and gets everybody riled up and into it. So yeah. he's, he's definitely an experience I'd advise anybody to have, especially yeah. this year. And I, you know, and I think just to elaborate on that, I, I totally agree with everything you said. You're right. You've got to be there to see the entire picture. But one of the things that I think is is really cool about Moscone is you see hardened professional pool players. Um, you actually see the pressure and the stress <laughs> yeah. on their faces. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's yeah, it's it's a little more prevalent. I hate to say this in England because I don't want to say it's a hostile crowd. It's not really a hostile crowd. It's it's an energetic crowd, but but certainly um, it it gets into the players' minds, and and you see it on both sides. You see it on, on the European side as well, and I think that's one of the coolest things because. There's no doubt that these guys are very, very focused on trying to do the, the best that they can, and sometimes that pressure is just uh, crushing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously so, as we saw in this uh, last year's performance there. <laughs> I think the pressure got to him a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, so what do you think, um, you know, here's a, to backtrack a little bit about this U.S. Open bit. Do you think um, the 
pool world would be better off? This I'll give you both. You have to give me a 30-second answer. Is the pool world better off with the U.S. Open, um, like, with a Band-Aid on it? Or is it better without it altogether? Uh, I, I would, it, it absolutely is better with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so we just have to work out these issues with Barry, basically. Uh, it, it, it didn't work out. He didn't use his whole 30 seconds. Man, alive. <laughs> <laughs> you got 30 seconds, Skip. Yeah, you got to say more, Skip. Sorry about that. Well, okay. Well, here, I'll t- you know, unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say that. That sounds crude, but... Um, Time's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Barry texts me uh, at least seven or eight times a day, Um Certainly recently, because I've been been involved in getting some some player funds uh, reestablished for the players, um, so I, I talked to Barry quite a bit, and and specifically about the U.S. Open because I don't really want to talk to him about Q Masters or anything else, <laughs> um, and, and and everybody agrees that. The U.S. Open needs to be played, and it needs to be, like I said, it's it's a pivotal event in the United States. And, you know, there you can point a lot of fingers at, you know, what goes wrong and who's to blame, and, and, and I'm not going to get into the, any of that garbage because <clears throat> you don't have 10 hours of radio time. <laughs> that's probably only half the story. But... But I, I really think that what it really boils down to is there's got to be total and solid communication between everyone. Yeah. And I'm talking about players, I'm talking about the organizer, I'm talking about the WPA, whoever's involved, there's got to be complete and utter crystal clear communication. Yeah. Um, I think one of the bad things that Barry does is he promises cash sometimes to some players uh i think he's done that for a long time whether that's good bad or indifferent is not really the issue the problem is is when he runs out of cash as we all know he does then you're either going to get checks or you're going to get a lot of lip service well it would be much easier and probably a better business practice if he just stated not unlike what matchroom does or probably a lot of other organizers Hey, you're going to play in my event, and and whatever it is, five days, three days, seven days after the final event, the uh, final is finished, you're going to give me all your banking t- details. I'm going to wire transfer you whatever your prize fund is. Right. End of story. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, and again, I mean, I don't think that these are simple, easy fixes. It certainly worked a couple years ago when when they established this escrow account and everybody got, everybody got paid on a timely basis and paid in full and everything else, that's great. I, I, in my opinion, there just needs to be a solid financial plan, and I realize that sometimes that's, that doesn't go in the same sentence with Barry Berman, but that's okay. <laughs> Barry, you know, at the end of the day, what everybody has to realize is Barry actually has a, 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 an unmazing passion for this event, sure. and and he cries over it. I mean, he's cried, he's apologized, you know, and, and you could say, well, he keeps making the same mistakes, whatever. Yeah, that's true, but quite honestly, to get back to your original question, which... Sorry, Mark, I took way more than 30 seconds. But, you know, 
is it better? Is is pool better without without the U.S. Open? Absolutely not. Right. Not when you got a guy that cares about it and and really wants to do the right thing. He just needs a lot of help doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I'm sorry, Mark. I, I, go I ahead. Have, I absolutely, absolutely agree with just about everything that Skip said. That. You got. We want the U.S. Open. I don't want to see it go away. I don't want to see it die. And I've said it on my segment of American Bleed Radio to Barry, and I've said it to others as well. Just say, if you finish in the top sixteen, you may not get your money right away. Exactly. I'm going to find the money. I'll find the money. I've been finding the money for years. You'll be on an installment plan. You'll have a post-date check or whatever the case might be. But if if you just say that and the players go, then nobody can complain. That's right. Absolutely nobody can complain to us. That's how we set it up. And that's not, that's not how Matchroom do it. You know, they wire the money out on time when they say they're going to do it, and that's set up deal up front. Barry's money may be coming in four months later, but I think he's going to get it, and, and and I do think he has the passion, and nobody's going to uh, spend the money and go in debt the way he does on it, right? Going debt, or you know, what I'm saying, look, be a losing proposition to go through all this that uh, that Barry does. I'm not sure that anybody else wants to do it. So the U.S. Open should be on the calendar. Barry just needs to make that one statement. If you're the top 16, you're on a payment plan, you might be looking at six months. Come or don't come. Well, nobody can complain. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is very true. Well, so um, then let's talk about briefly um, new upcoming tournaments, any new activities. Uh, Skip's got a secret, Mark, and he doesn't want to tell me what it is. <laughs> he said that he's working on some devious plan to take over the world, and it, it involves um, maybe junior players. Am I getting? <laughs> am I getting warm? You you are getting warm, but <laughs> you're not going to get warm enough that I'm going to divulge anything to ah, you. Just yet. <laughs> All right. Again, I just had a similar conversation with Scott on my show. I don't know what's going on here. If all the great minds of the world are coming together and sticking, but I, there's a future for pool. I'm telling you, there is a future for pool. We talk about the uh, at the beginning. You were talking about the state, state of the union mm-hmm. and how we done this year and well, last year versus this year and where we're going. I remember having it was one of the first shows that we did, Dave. And it was the State of the Union. And the, it was, where are we going? And I, in 2013, I was saying, I, I don't know. Look at the calendar. What do we actually have on the calendar as far as pool tournaments? And then you go and take a look at what actually happened. Or I will grant this, and I've said it before, a, a, a select few players who got invites and things like that. But there was, you look at Darren Appleton's schedule last year. He was swamped. It was amazing. Yeah, he was swamped. He was everywhere. He was all over the world. He won a ton of money, played in a ton of events, 
He had plenty of opportunities to win money. Might have not all been here in America, but the pool world was did have his fair share of tournaments. Right. And I thought there wasn't going to be anything. Right. Or hardly anything. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, I do think the tournament action is bouncing back for 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 whatever lull that it was in. Uh, we were just talking about Mark last week how um, you know we have events overlapping each other now because there's you know so much going on at certain times of the year. Where you exactly. know exactly how's that happening? If we if we suck so bad, if right. not, you know if things are going so wrong, how come we got the Reno Bar Table and the World Table all? And yeah, Chuck Marcullis and everything else all going at the same time. Plus, how, how can it be if you if you stop you for action or stop you for tournaments? Nothing should be overlapping. But promoters do need to get together and discuss a calendar. There needs to be something. WPA, BCA, somebody needs to step in and say, "All right, let's get a calendar." I think it's really funny that that you both brought this up because. Um, <laughs> As part of the WPA, this is this has been um, a pretty prolonged discussion that we've had for the last couple of years about the calendar. And last year, and certainly this year, uh, you're in a situation where there aren't enough days in the year for pool, it seems. Or at least everybody seems to want to have everything at the same time, which in my opinion, is a real good problem to have. Right. However, it's still a problem. And, and Mark, I think you're absolutely right. I think that there has to be one central calendar. Um, but unfortunately, it's really, really hard to give away dates six months, nine months, forget about 12 months in advance, because, you know, organizers, have to, they have to get their sponsor dollars, they have to get all their ducks in a row, it's really hard to say, you know, what's going to happen six, nine, twelve months, two years from now. But there are some foundation events, U.S. Open, uh, Derby City, uh, you know, certain world championships. They're always going to be at the same time, European championships, whatever. I think it's it's our responsibility, WPA's responsibility to to really sort of put down the foundation events and then everybody else is going to have to work around those. And, you know, we certainly want to accommodate everybody, but there's always going to be some overlap. And just to take it one step further, I think there's another really important aspect to this. It's, it's really nice if you have, say, a world championship in the Middle East and then a nice event in Europe and then something in North America and, you know, maybe they're only four or five days apart, and players can travel relatively short distances easily right. rather than, you know, hopscotching across the globe all the time every three weeks. I mean, that's difficult, too. There, there's a lot of logistics behind it, and trust me, there's a lot of people that are very concerned about that and try to do the, the best that they can as far as the calendar is mm-hmm. concerned. Yeah. Is that, can, I, did you, can I put you on the spot? Absolutely. Uh-oh. Let me ask you as far as the WPA's concerned. Right. What if I say I want to have a world championship? I'd say... And I, I, I don't I want it in July. July. I love you. <laughs> okay. I want it in July. Right. 
and then uh, it's going to be July 15th and July 7th comes along. What, what my, what's our obligation to each other if I don't have all the money? Well, this is my personal opinion. This is not my WPA opinion. Uh, my personal opinion, and, and I probably would get a lot of grief from some people about this, Personally, I think world championships have to take precedence. First of all, the world championships. End of story. You're not going to get any higher than that. Maybe you can consider the world games and hopefully someday with all our toes and fingers crossed, the Olympics. But the world championships are just that. They're the best. They should be the best of the best in the world competing against each other. So I have to say that a world championship should take precedence over anything else. And, and yes, I agree. And that's fine. It should take precedence. That's fine. If it's on the calendar and it's there, right. that's fine. I'm, I'm not conflicting. 15th of July is not conflicting with anybody right. else. I'm the only game in town by is a WPA sanctioned event. And then I can't do it seven days before. Everybody's booked their plane tickets, booked their hotels, and right. we know this has happened. Okay, so it's not, you know, was it a year ago, two years ago? I didn't mean three years ago. It was like two back-to-back yes. that fell through. Yes. Where Where is the safety net there for the players or for for you, for the WPA that says, hey, what, we can't just say, all right, this guy says he wants to do a tournament, and then he quits. Exactly, and and that's a great point. And trust me, I've been doing this for four years now. And in, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be a dick and pick on you. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm actually glad that you. No, I'm glad you asked that question because these are some of the things that people think uh, don't get discussed, and and it's quite the opposite. This is this is hugely discussed actually, because it is a huge problem when players have plane tickets that are. You know, and I, and we could talk about this for hours, believe me, because I, I still argue that I don't understand the world where you, you know, there's no such thing as a non-refundable plane ticket anymore. They might give you a credit for 12 months, but whatever it is. Um, <laughs> but I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and it has been a problem, and it certainly probably will rear its ugly head again some day down the road, I hate to say. But... We're trying, the WPA is trying to put things into place that, okay, an organizer comes along and says, yeah, I'm going to do a world championship and I'm going to put $37 million into this and, you know, talks up a big storm, a great, 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 and, you know, everybody's eyes are as big as saucers. Well, okay, if that's the case, then, you know, put your money where your mouth is. You're going to have to put X amount of money in, in escrow, bank bank note, whatever it is, to guarantee that we're going to allocate these dates to you. And then if you, for whatever reason, feel that you can't pull this off, this event off, you're going to have to do it within 30 days or 60 days or whatever that date is. There's going to have to be a cancellation date. And if you do it beyond that cancellation date, there's going to, we're going to take some of that money that you put into escrow because some of these people may have expenses that need to be refunded. Right. I, I absolutely understand this situation. It's it's really hard to do. You know, we're well, not... There's so many facets to it, Skip. I'm sorry? I mean, that, that, there's so many facets to that. Exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's not just the players' expenses that 
need to be reimbursed out of the the promoter's deposit that they paid, right? That, right. If we say that they have to pay that, then you've also got everybody's entry fee. Yep. that has to go back somehow. Yep. Yep. You know, who prepaid. Um, now there's a promoter over here who wanted those dates, but the WPA sanctioned event overrode it, so he couldn't actually do his event. So now he doesn't have an event anymore. Now the players don't have an event. That's right. So and, and he's, he's not being. I'm not trying to be difficult. It's just a fact that we we look at, we tend to look at just oh well a pay player does their fair pay does get that right. But there's a promoter over here who wanted to do an event, and then there's a hotel and this and that, and we don't know what people's hotels might take their money. You know, and say exactly. sorry, you booked it. You we, you booked it. That's you right. You know. And so you know, there, how, there how, is, how, how do you make everybody whole? That's the thing, and you can't make everybody whole. Well, and you can't. And you certainly don't want to take that 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 liability because, quite honestly, you'd never get anybody to to underwrite that or an insurance policy to cover you on that. Whatever, there is actually a really simple solution to this, albeit it would take uh, snooker money. Um, but but if you look at the way snooker does their their world, they produce their own events. They don't. They don't rely on outside organizers to do their events. So they're in total control. It, it would be wonderful if the WPA had, you know, half of Snooker's money, uh, even a quarter. I'd take, uh, and we could produce our own events. That would be great because then I think you'd eliminate a lot of the uncertainties. Um, but I. But I also think that one of the other factors to this is. You've got to have a nice list of classy promoters, classy organizers. Um, you know, obviously Matrim's going to be at the top of the list when it comes to uh, premier organizers for pool events because there's no doubt that a Matrim event is going to be, you know, the pinnacle of pool events. Right. Uh, and I think that there's been some cases in the past where there's been some organizers that I, I don't want to say. Let's just say they're they're not matchroom level <laughs> organizers. Nobody uh, is, Jeff. No, and I realize that. Um, but but I also think that you know it would be a wonderful world if if organizers of quality were coming to pool and saying, "Hey, you guys got a great sport." There's a lot of interest out there. You know, you've got 28 million people in America playing on a regular basis. We want to put on an event for you. Unfortunately, it's almost the other way around nowadays where pool has to try to reach out to organizers. Uh, and, and that's got to turn around because you're, you're taking a lot of risk. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. Yeah, in your, opinion, what has, in your opinion, what has to turn around? So let's say, I'm, I'm taking away the WPA and the, um, you, you know, the, the sanctioning and guaranteeing the promoters with the money and that kind of thing. What, what do you think, Skip, that is going to make pool a commodity where people want to come to us? Well, <laughs> you're going to get me in a lot of trouble. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Because I'm going to give you my personal perspective on this. Uh, and and I, again, I mean, I think this is really simple. Let's be honest. 
everybody would agree that's been around pool either in the sport or in the industry in the last 20, 30 years. Let's all agree that we're a little family, and basically we all know each other. And and anybody that doesn't agree with that, they, they're truly not in the sport or in the industry. Right. So if that's the case, if we're such a close-knit sport and industry, why don't we communicate better? I mean, right. we talk to each other, but yet we truly don't communicate with each other. Right. And with all due respect to my fellow WPA people, I think that the members of the WPA um, should all be on the same docket, the same page, with the same goals. It doesn't matter if it's going on in Europe, if it's going on in China, if it's going on in, in Chicago, Illinois. We should all be striving to make the sport bigger and better because ultimately that's going to affect your regional area or your continental area. Right. And I think it really all boils down to really good communication. Yeah. You you can't have one continental federation doing what they think is best at the expense of other continental federations or vice versa. Right. And and quite honestly, and I've said this a couple of times and I think I've 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 insulted a few people. Hmm. If if you're not in in the mindset of of being good for the sport globally, then you shouldn't be a part of this because all the mm-hmm. other people here are working to build the sport globally. I mean, it would be insane for me to say, oh, no, I only care about pool in Chicago. Well, right. that's stupid. Right. I care about pool in Tanzania. I care about pool in uh, Russia. I care about pool everywhere. Right. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's and if you way. don't have that attitude, then you shouldn't be sitting at the same table with us right. because right. we're not going to have the same discussion. Right. So I guess the short answer to my long, drawn-out answer <laughs> is there just has to be better communication with everybody, yeah. promoters, yeah. organizers, players, federations, governing bodies, the whole lot. And, and I would love for everybody... Communication. Well, I'd, I'd love for everybody to show up into a room annually and, yeah. and let's talk about our problems. Let's talk about how we can sort things out. Right. You know, come to the BCA show. Come to wherever. I don't care wherever it is, but make an effort. Don't don't sit, you know, 7,000 miles away in your corner of the world and complain about this, that, and the other and not do anything about it. Yeah. Show up and, and, and have a voice and, and actually be part of the solution. Yes, Absolutely. I agree, I agree with everything. I think that's, again, it's the facets. That's one facet, but that doesn't make pool a commodity. Because we're organized, it doesn't make us a commodity. And you're right. And, and, and I'll, I'll just quickly expand, because I hate to tell you guys, but i got to get out of here. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> um, but, but you're right. So, and, and, and so I think the next step is, is once you have a, a much better, a much organized sport right. and industry because I don't think that they should be separated. I think they have to be hand in hand. Sure. Then I think you can take that sport to the advertisers, to the right. television stations, right. whatever. Bam. Because now you have an organized collective. Right. Right now we're we're so separated and fragmented and and, and actually it's gotten better in the last couple of years. Yeah. But but we still can't go to Madison Avenue and say, Hey look at we've got in fact, 
I just thought of it why I wanted to talk to you, Mark, because I heard your interview uh, when you gave your uh, Jack Daniels scenario about the numbers and how he was going to buy a billboard on, on, on the 405 yeah. in L.A. Yeah. Well, that, I think that sums it up right there. I think that once we get back to better communication where we're all in the same collective, then we can go to Madison Avenue with the right numbers, with substantial uh, followers and, and, and quantifiable statistics and say, look, at this is what we have. What do you have to offer us? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, if you haven't already done it or seen it, I'm going to give everybody some information, including you, Skip and Dave. All right. On YouTube, is a 10-part series is called When Snooker Ruled the World. Wow, and I just it's, read something it's a about lot that. It's about matchroom. Mm. I'm, I'm going to say that, which um, I'm a, it's no disguise. I'm a big fan of matchroom. Okay. It's called When Snooker Rule the World, and it's going from the ages and how Barry Hearn built these characters. Right. And you had Tony Mayo who's Italian, and you, you cry a lot because you're Italian. You <laughs> are boring. You're the, you always wear a black suit, and you drink water. And you do this, and you do that. And it was, it, I, I hate to uh, uh, equivalent to, to, to the WWF or, that's why they watch. They all got character that they like. Right. right? And exactly. I, I think along with the organization, which is, Skip is absolutely 100% right, we can go and start looking a little bit more like we know what we're doing to people. Right. But that character building, where people go, look at Earl. Earl's one of the biggest characters in pool. Imagine if we had a hundred different types of him yeah. and a hundred different types of Jeanette Lee. Uh, right. In, in, the, in the sport, it creates fans because whether you, John McEnroe, you watch him because you want to see him lose. You want that's to see him right. throw a tantrum. Uh, whether that's a professional thing to do or not, it don't matter how many billions of dollars have been made on professional tennis because of John McEnroe and people tuning in to watch him cry through a fit or lose. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, that was the same reason no. they they couldn't stop watching Minnesota Fats either because he couldn't close his mouth. He would just right. keep talking and talking and talking that smack yeah. <coughs> with ridiculous that, that fist stories. He could have been in anything. He could have been in yeah. any sport you wanted. Pick anything. He could have been a football player. He could have been a vacuum cleaner salesman, and he would have been <laughs> he would have been famous for it, no matter what it was right. that he was doing. That's right. All right, gentlemen, well, anyway, we, got, we got to get out of here. So, uh, thank okay. you, Skip, for taking your time uh, to talk to us. I appreciate that. Well, my pleasure. Uh, thanks, thank Mark. You, Skip. It's pleasure. Thanks, Mark. I guess you know we we tolerate <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, boys. That's right. I did my best to keep my mouth shut this time. I swear. I know. I did, you I you did such myself. a great I'm... job. You really did, man. Oh, yeah, Skip's right, though. If you haven't gone out and got your honey something, you better hurry up because you're running out of daylight. So uh, uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. You guys have a great Valentine's Day. Radio and Q Talk brought to you by Omega Billiards. 
the original home of the pocket bridge, www.omegabilliards.com. And our guest today is Joe Blackburn. Joe is considered probably the best Q mechanic in the country, in my opinion. He's the only guy I let touch my cues. Hello, Joe. Hey, good morning. How you doing this morning? Good, sir. Tell me, where are you based out of? I'm based out of uh, Pete's Corner Pocket at Bristol, Tennessee. Is that where you started at, or is that where you're at now? Uh, no, sir. I was uh, born and raised in Ashland, Kentucky, and then uh, went to the military, come out of the military, and then I moved uh, to Nashville, Tennessee, then to Bristol. So. Fantastic. Now, have you played pool all your life, or when did you start playing pool? I started playing in the military. I never played before then. I was uh, 17. I went in the military right out of high school and started playing pool uh, during our breaks. And uh, did you ever consider building cues or just repairing cues? Oh, no. I, I actually started out as really wanting to build cues. And I talked to some of the different uh, cue makers and manufacturers, Jim McDermott, Mucci, uh, Hubner, a lot of those, Danny Jans. And uh, I saw that that was going to be take up too much of my time. That is a tough competition. Well, I noticed that you carry uh, a little bit of everything chip-wise. I've seen you do work on every type of queue I can think of. Uh, you do warranty work for, for how many different manufacturers you can think of? Well, I do for Predator, also for OB. I do uh, Jacoby, Tiger. They all furnish me and stuff so I can uh, put everything back original. Muti does. Um, whoever has, I always try to put everything back original manufacturer. And I know you carry, like I said, just about every type of tip you can think of out there. And if the new, I know you do some testing with it to see if it's a, a product that's under demand. If it's in demand, you have it at your, at your table. Yes, sir, I do. I try to c carry all tips because there are so many different kinds and everybody likes something different. So. And I understand you uh, travel out to about eight shows a year, and uh, currently we're here at the uh, Derby City Classic as it kicked off in January this year. Yeah, Derby City starts the year off, and it's uh, it's one of our fun tournaments. And uh, I go from here, I go to the Expo in April, and at the end of April I'm in Vegas for the APA Singles. Uh, June I'm in uh, Philadelphia, or actually Valley Forge for, the, for our league championship. July, I'm at the Rio for the BCA in Vegas. Uh, August, I'm at the Rio for the uh, APA in Vegas. Then I do the U.S. Open in October. That's usually it. So. Yeah, I know. I see you. That's the only time I get my cues worked on is when I see you at the shows. And uh, do, you, do you sponsor any players? Uh, uh, yes, I, I, I help out a couple players. I usually uh, I sponsor Jeff Abernathy and... Uh, uh, He's, he's really a good player. I've known Jeff for years. Um, I, I don't really sponsor any of the pro players. I do uh, give a lot of the pro, most of the pro players a little discount and stuff like that. But uh, my main thing I really like is to help the kids. I know. I, I've seen you working with a little bit of everybody, and uh, that's, a, that's a great deal. Now, you usually have a road partner with you, and unfortunately he's not here this time, and uh, that's Lomax. Yes, sir. Steve, uh, Steve's been a little ill lately. He has uh, some problems with cancer. He's going to fight that battle, and we're all praying for him. And uh, his, Steve's been with me for about 10 years now. So, yeah, Steve makes a great cue, and uh, and they can contact you. I know we're we're uh, 
taking donations here at the Derby City. All the vendors are and get them to you for, for Lomax. And if anybody wants to make a donation, contact Joe Blackburn. And uh, we're really praying and pulling, pulling for Lomax. He's a great guy. Hopefully we may get him on the radio here in a week or so. Well, he's he's um, he's had a little operation. He's going to start chemo Monday on the uh, second, and uh, we're all praying that that goes well. We won't know for a little while to see how that does come out. So, well, absolutely. Well, I know not only do you do tips. I know I just watched you do uh, two linen wraps, and uh, what other type of wraps and things do you do to cues? Oh, I do all kinds of leather, exotics, uh, different ones. We have, I have probably 150 to 200 different pieces of leather. I do all linen, uh, nylon, uh, cork. Uh, I do a little of everything, actually. Is there uh, anything that, that you can tell us that takes, takes a little more expertise than anything else that you work on? I know I've asked you before about do you do, you do rebuilds when somebody's got a damaged queue, and I know... Uh, I think you said you'd probably give some of that over to, to Lomax on, on the painting and refinishing. Yeah, well, I do all types of repairs. You know, anything that's broken on a queue, I can fix. And, uh, of course, some you can't fix, but they beyond repair. But uh, I don't spray queues uh, uh, anymore. Steve has a real nice uh, spray booth set up, and I, I just send most of the, that to him. But anything else I do, I do shavs, repairs on any kind of butt, butt plates, collars, anything. So. Well, fantastic. Well, Joe, I really appreciated having you here with us on American Billiards Radio and Q Talk. Have a, have a good show and uh, safe travels home. It's been a pure pleasure, sir, and thank you very much. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is Mark Cantrell, the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And, uh, boy, this is the last time we I did a show. I took a week off. There's been all kinds of stuff that's gone on with one thing or another. Derby, we've had the Derby City. We've had uh, the Barry Berman stuff with the uh, payment stuff. And then we've got more things coming up as, as we go. So I've got... My good friend, Mr. Scott, the Freezer Frost, on the line with us. How you doing, Scott? Good, Mark. Thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate no problem. It. Just uh, want to get your input on some things, and I know we've got some things going on in Arizona that uh, I'm happy for, and I know you are, and we'll we'll get to that. Um, let's let's start with uh, where were we at? Derby City. Uh, yeah, let's do it. What did you come away from with that? Oh, it was it was obvious. every year at Derby is a great experience for me, and I think most of the players. It's probably the best tournament we have in the states. But uh, I had a heck of an experience. Uh, I could go into a long and drawn out story, but I try and keep it tight and close. Um, I played Efren in the banks. I made it to the final, I think the final ten or twelve in the banks, and I'm playing Efren on the the final day, and. Um, I need one ball and I need one game. I'm up, I'm on the hill. I'm up two to one and need one ball. And I long rail cross bank a ball into my pocket at pocket speed to play safe. If I miss, it was going straight in the hole. The crowd starts cheering. I go over to congratulate Efren and thank him for allowing me to win. And the the object ball either hits something or or in the last six to eight inches. It 
either hit something or it just rolled out that bad, but it rolled out about two inches and hung up. And for that happening, Ephraim comes back and beats me. I needed one ball, he needed four balls, and I'm up two to one and a race to three. Um, they wrote up a big story about that, and that was real heartbreaking to me because uh, everybody in the banks had a loss at that time. So if I would have won that match, I would have been automatically put into the final six or final four. We're not exactly sure how that would have worked. So it was real big for me. He comes back and beats me from there with that ball rolling off. Arizona AZ Billiards did a big write-up on it. I guess somebody was there, saw it happen. I never, I never looked at the write-up, nor did I really care. It, it hurt my pocketbook and mentally more more than anything. Um, and you know, I've always wanted to get real deep to the semifinals or quarterfinals in the banks because then I can motivate myself to do. Real good in the one pocket, and obviously I'm in the running for the master of the table. But uh, none of that happened. About an hour before I play Efren in the bank pool match, I get noticed that from Pat Fleming with AccuStats, I get noticed that all my DVDs, I had 200 Power One Pocket 2 DVDs shipped to me, and they were all blank. So I get noticed about an hour before my match with Efren, Literally, it was the worst timing in the world. My focus just kind of got side-railed that all my DVDs came with no content from the manufacturer. So I was kind of up up a creek without a paddle there. Um, No DVDs, which we usually sell out 200 at every derby. Um, We have for the last six or seven years since the first one. And then I lose to Efren being on the hill and eating one ball and thinking, well, I'm going to have a good chance to be all around this year. And uh, everything kind of went south from there. That ball rolled out. Efren comes back and beats me. My DVDs are blank. And now I'm going into the one pocket with uh, with a pretty uh, pretty scattered brain. I, I, let's just say I prepared to be focused for, for the Derby for three months prior to this. And I don't feel that I could have been more focused and playing any better than I've ever played in my life. And and that kind of threw me for a loop. I was not prepared. We've never had a problem with the DVDs. And so that happens, and uh, boom, all of a sudden I'm hit with a ton of bricks. Well, that, I know for a fact that's going to – well, especially when you've got something that's there on the line, now you got to think about how we're going to fix this problem because we need to get more DVDs to have content. And, exactly. And that's something that's out of your hands. Uh, the match with Efren, we, we know there ain't no shame in losing to Efren. Uh, of course. <laughs> but when you think you've got it and you're that close, and something, whatever it was that happened, happens. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, I mean, and it's, and, it, and, and it's not like I didn't have a chance to win. I don't want people thinking I'm just blaming that on that. But after that ball rolled out, I had probably another 10 10 to 15 chances to win, but I was so rattled and shaken. And by the time that ball had rolled out, uh, my focus was just not there. And I got weak. I got very weak, and that's my own fault. But uh, I wasn't prepared for what all had hit me right before that match as far as the DVDs being blank and all these other problems that I had to deal with. So well, then I go into nine ball. Then you go into the nine ball? Yeah, and so then, you know, I go from there and I I fight hard in the one pocket, but my mind was not there. Stephen Cohen beat me, and not only did he beat me, I heard he beat like five other really top players. 
So I come through the loser side, and I think I'm in the seventh round. I draw Jeremy Jones. He wins the lag by about a quarter of an inch. I never had a chance to beat him on his break, and he ends up beating me three to one. So I'm out of the one pocket, and finally get the situation a little bit, a little bit corralled or handled with the DVDs, and I, I kind of draw myself back into focus. And um, I played real well in the nine ball, you know, but I knew I was going to play well. I played well at the mess. West State Tour that Oscar Dominguez owns, and I had a chance to win that event playing for the hot seat with 87 top players out here on the West Coast and from all around, actually. So I had a chance to win that. And going into the nine-ball derby, I knew I knew that I was going to be a solid player and, and a tough person to beat, and I was. I made it to the final day. Um, the night before the final day, my last match, it was, a I think, a 10 o'clock match, a packed house, and I draw... You know, they do the random redraw every round, and I draw Eric Durbin. And out of all the top players I played, I said, well, this this is a real good draw. And I didn't take him lightly. It was a funny set. Some funny things happened. And long story short, it come down to uh, I'm up 8-7 to seven in a race to 9, and I had to pinch an 8 ball. And I shot it in the side, and it went to the point, the other point, the other point, and just hung up right in the middle. And hill, hill, he breaks and runs out. So there wasn't uh, a lot I could do there. Eric Durbin breaks and runs out. I had no losses at that point in time. I got to come back the next morning. I beat Edgy Geronimo, um, nine to six. I beat Alex Laley, nine to eight. And then I draw Dennis Orcolo, and we play on the TV table, which I hadn't played a match on the whole week because they have the Bigfoot Challenge or whatever it is there. So I hadn't played a match on the TV table all week with a different cue ball, which is the measles cue ball. That's not necessarily an excuse, but I wasn't prepared for it. And Orcolo beats me nine to six, and I had a couple. I think I made two or three mistakes in that match that that really cost me. So therefore, I'm out of the nine ball two, and I think I finished in the top ten, in the final ten or final eight. So and overall, Mark. Oh, sorry to cut you off. Overall, Mark, it, it was a, it was a it was a great event. It was a good learning experience. It made me much tougher as far as stuff on the sidelines, my DVDs, and selling posters and pictures and shirts. Uh, started a shirt company, Power One Pocket Shirt Company. But overall, it was a good lesson. Uh, I'm learning how to put all my business stuff on the sidelines, no matter what I do when I go to the pool table. Now, the night ball was uh, extra important this year at Derby because Metroom, obviously, as you know, has uh, announced that that was going to be uh, one of the qualifying tournaments uh, where you would get points when they come out with them uh, to be on the Moscone Cup team. And is that something that you've got in your mind? Is that something you'd like to be a part of? Yeah, it is. It, it really is. Yes, sir. I mean, last year when uh, when when Mark Wilson got in the in the group and uh, started picking his players, I realized that this might be something I want to do before I retire from playing pool. And um, I went ahead and, and made it my choice and decision of, as of the first of this year that I wanted to improve on my nine ball game and focus on my ten ball and nine ball. I've always been a real good nine ball and ten ball player. A lot of people don't know that because I make a lot more money playing one pocket. But I'm actually enjoying the game of nine ball and knowing that they're adding the points or 
using the point system for whoever finishes highest in some events here in the country gives me a fair opportunity to get picked as a wild card pick. So that is my goal, Mark. And, um, you know, I, I, I really, uh, I really want to get on the team. Um, I think my drive, my focus, and my leadership skills will have a lot to do with with um, bringing back the cup for Team USA, and I truly believe in myself that, that I can do it. Under the lights, under the pressure, with the crowd, that's right up my alley. And a lot of the younger guys aren't necessarily as used to that, and that is something that that is something I embrace and I wish for. So uh, I, I think that is right up my alley, Mark, and I'm going to do the best I can, not saying that it's going to happen, but I'm going to do the best I can in chasing my dream and uh, and getting a uh, spot on the team by the end of the year. So you came in somewhere 8 to 10 through the 9 ball. Uh, right. I think it's 8 through 12. I think I was... Uh, I think I was the only American uh, besides Jeremy Sassi. Maybe Skyler Woodward was in there too, which is another great pick for the team, I think. But I think it was Jeremy Sassi, Skyler Woodward, and myself in the final 12, let's just say. Okay, so that that's kind of where I was going with the with my question is if you take out any overseas players and you just leave in the Americans, then you're in the top three at least. Right, right. Exactly. So that's good for those points. And now we've got coming up the Reno Bar Table Championship, and you're going to be heading to that as well. Right, the Reno U.S. Bar Table Championships, which is 10-ball, 8-ball, and 9-ball. And you and I were speaking before, Mark. I'm not 100% sure if points go to all three of those events, but I would assume that they probably just go to the 9-ball, not positive. But if they went to all three events, that's even better because I'm going to be there and I'm going to be playing at all of them. So I'm excited yeah. for that. I'm excited for that for sure. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be. I, I don't know either if it's going to be all three. Uh, right. But it seemed like it'd be a little strange to have. Well, it, you know, it's been a open contention. They strange that the qualifying points are on a bottom right. way out. It, but it having a little ten strange. ball and eight ball and nine ball, having three points events in one location, that chops out a lot of people who uh it, it does. And and I agree. I agree, Mark. I think that hopefully it's just a nine ball. I think it should specifically be directed to one facet of the game and, and that's nine ball. Um you know, obviously I think touching on the subject that they're having the points at Reno you know, America is starving for pool. That's another subject we aren't probably going to have to get on right now, but it's starving for pool events. And I don't really think it's a bad thing to have the points go there because, you, you know, you still have to be a top player to to get in the final six or the final four or the final three of an event like that. So I don't see anything wrong with it. Like I said, we're, America's hurting for events. So make it a points, make it a points event, but just make it the nine ball, and then we go on from there to what? Where do we go from there? I don't know. We we don't know where we go from there. That's the thing. I'm I'm getting. I think it's Turning Stone, right, and U.S. Open nine ball. I I believe are the next two events. Yeah, Turning Stone and U.S. Open nine ball. uh, Those are the only two that necessarily come to mind. Right. Well, then again, I wouldn't have put the, the Reno U.S. Ball Table Championship in there either. So right. there might be something else that comes up 
the um, what was the Music City? Uh, the Music City just happened, and I actually okay, won that. Yeah. I won that a while back, and I had free entropy in room, but I don't. I haven't gone to that tournament because it's taking a turn for the worse. But uh, you know, don't you know he's not that number is he? So no, he's not. So that's another reason. Yeah. Well, so we 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 really don't know what the schedule. We don't know what the points are. I'm sure Matt Shum will come up with them. Uh, and and it's, it's funny that we were even talking about the Moscone Cup, but he's gotten so big and such a uh, prestigious event that people, everybody wants to play for the country, right? I mean, sure, of course, of course. Okay, and it's something that everybody wants to get behind their country or their continent, whichever the case might be. Right, and it's it's something that we do start focusing on at this time of year, especially somebody like yourself who says, listen, you know what, I've never really pushed for it before, but this year I really want to give it a shot. Right, playing play the events um, over the years. Over the years, um, I, you know, I was on the road playing one pocket, and all my friends and peers are on Team USA, and I never even had a desire at that point in time because the Johnny Archers and Rodney Morris's and Earl Strickland's really stood out versus a guy like me that was on the other end of the spectra with with my one pocket game. But now that all the players are getting closer together and it's more of a big mixed bunch, I think I can stand out. And if if, if I ever had a chance, I think it's now more than ever. Right. So I, I'm I'm excited about it. Mike Howerton with um, with AZ Billiards is my partner on the Diamond Pool Tour, and we have a nice tour, the Diamond Pool Tour. He told me that I was tied for second or third in the points. So I believe you told me earlier there's two separate events as far as that's concerned, as far as the points, match room and somebody else. Well, I, I well we've got the BCA ranking points that have just been a standard for a while now. That may be where you're at on those points. Okay. But match room are devising their own point system, and we don't okay. know what it is yet. And okay. so you, you still because you you were top three in the first event, you, you've got to be right there. You've got to be at least right. third. Right. So now you've got Reno. And I just want to just go, go just for a second back to the Reno broad table event, and I don't want anybody to think I'm necessarily knocking it just because it's it's um, it's a bar table as opposed to a nine-foot table, and why would it be there? I, I tell you what, that's a t- top-ass tournament to, to win. Oh, it is. It is. Nine ball on a bar table, you got to get somebody who can play a bit. Right. And, and you can be done. Well, and, and that's true. I mean, you could, you can, I've, I've had really rough years where, you know, things didn't roll my way and I played perfect and lost. Uh, that can happen on the bar table. Definitely. You know, a guy like me or any top player, we're not going to be up there missing a million balls, but uh, the sport doesn't show who the best player is. And at the end of the day, you can play perfect on a bar table and lose to somebody that's maybe a little less experienced. But that's yeah. that's the beauty of it, too, you know. I mean, that gives those guys a chance as well. Yeah, you know, if you win, you won. You, you did good. You had to do right. good to win. Right, exactly. He, he's not a lucky thing. So, we'll, well, we'll see what other tournaments come up. You know, with, like we said, we'll, we'll say Turning Stone or the U.S. Open are given. 
Who knows? Gerson yeah, might put his uh, change his tournament from invitationals to opens or the right. ball. But, or right. well, I don't know. Can you do that? Because there's no, there's no yeah, ball. I'm not necessarily sure. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's going to be okay the way it is. I think they're going to have four or five events this year, and uh, I'm definitely going to beat everyone where they're where they're. Um, bringing points to the event for the Moscone team. I'll definitely be at all of those. Well, I, I'll, I'll move us on to the um, something that's a little bit close to my heart now. Um, the Desert Classic Tour was recently changed hands and was handed over to, I believe, you and uh, Mike Howerton of AZ Billiards. Yeah, um, but that's that's uh, it's close to your heart. It's close to mine too. That's probably been the biggest project uh, we've been working on lately. It's called the Diamond Pool Tour, and obviously Diamond is behind us. But we've got a sponsor, Neil's Garage Cabinets, who is also behind us. And you and I have spoke, and we spoke previously behind closed doors several months ago about this happening, and uh, all the pieces fell into place, and and everything's uh, come full circle. We had 86 players at our first event last weekend at Skippin' Jans. And, um, you know, I I couldn't be more excited for this. Casino Del Sol is our our headline title sponsor, and they're going to be holding our finale at the end of the year. And our goal, Mark, is to have a 128-player field at the end of the year. And that's that's my goal, okay? And a lot of people think I'm crazy, but they also didn't think we were going to fill up this weekend. So we had more than... 64 players. We had 86. And well, that you, is, what, you, did you schedule it for 64, and then it ended, ended up being 86? Well, we, we, we were prepared for 64 because this town has, um, you know, in the past turned up in the 30s and 40s. So we weren't we were expecting, you know, you know, maybe 15, 20 more players because Mike and I are running it. And we've done a lot of promotion. Well, we got what we get, we got double or triple that, so we're up to 86 players, and it was at the same time that the Swanee Memorial was going on down in California. So with with that competition out of the way at our next event, I believe that uh, I believe we could be ranging at somewhere around 100 players as long as we intertwine and work with the Mesway West State Tour, which is Oscar Dominguez Tour. We definitely want to work with them, coincide, and not be against each other, which we are not, like a lot of like a lot of pool um, promoters are. Right. Well, that 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 is good, and hopefully, I mean, maybe maybe there's a way to uh, well, those players from the from the West Coast are. If you come from the West Coast, if you come from like uh, Oscar Dominguez. From the south, from the south, southern California, do you have to come through Tucson to get up here? Oh, it's it, it's not a it's not a hard trip to get here. It's not a hard trip. It's a five hour drive. It's like going to the grocery store, Mark. It's not bad at all. I do want to say one thing. I, I I this is one of the main reasons I was behind the Diamond Pool Tour, and we we allow free entries to all the juniors. And last night, Mike Howerton and I talked. And we would like to, and we're headed this route, I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag, but we would like to have a junior state championship here. And we've talked to some of the mothers and parents of a bunch of the juniors we're working with here in town. And 
it looks like that along with one of our state championships, we're going to have a junior state championship with it. And uh, there, there's so many good things to come for pool on the West Coast. I think we're pretty spoiled. That's all I can say. He's, he's actually he's getting good. Um, he's over the last few years with you know with what Oscar's doing down there. But you've also had like the, the Swanee and then uh, the Chuck Markulis, uh right? And that, and the Reno thing. And and the desert, well, the diamond pool tour now. Um, I I think it's he's looking up. Yeah, the money probably could be better, you know, to help sure. with with everything. But I guess that's going to come with time. The more popularity it has, uh, the more we're going to be able to draw uh, people in and, and say, hey, listen, I'm willing to spend five hundred bucks to come. Sure. sure. This much, what you know, we know he's not well, going to travel around. Right. Well, you know, the diamond. I don't want to get it confused. The Diamond Pool Tour, the Diamond Pool Tour, and the Desert Classic Tour are not the same. They are not the same. No, They're I know. Did I say that? And and so so what I'm what I'm saying is what did what did you say, Mark? Did I say that? Did I? I keep I keep saying saying Desert Classic Tour. Yeah. We, sorry. We, we, I'm, we, I'm, we, no, that's okay. No, but I'm just trying to clarify the difference. What the difference is is we're allowing juniors to enter free, and then we've got we've got much bigger sponsors on board. So our goal is, Mark, our goal, and when I say our, Mike Howerton, the owner of AZ, AZ Billiards, is my partner. Our goal is to expand that to the first year. As long as we carry numbers such as 86 players and up, something like that, I will be able to go out and, and, and reach for bigger sponsors and more money. We've already got quite a bit of money this year on the tour. Uh, this our last event or our first event paid more than the Mez Tour did, and that's pretty big. So you know we we paid fourteen hundred for first and then four hundred for the additional side pot. So if you won first place on the A side of the tournament, you're winning eighteen hundred dollars for a little local tour event. Uh, that wasn't the case previously. Uh, it, it, you know, the Desert Classic was paying seven to eight hundred to win it. So we've doubled, maybe two and a half times that for first place. So, in order to get going, you have to have numbers to show people, to show sponsors, to show money people. In order to get going, so as long as we have a successful year, our goal next year in 2016 is to branch out to the five-state area and have a legitimate tour that's that's moving moving upwards and you never know our, we've talked about some crazy things like uh, you know in 2017 2018 having a national tour and making it much bigger so we're definitely not satisfied where it stands right now and we are going to grow and we are looking to grow and hopefully nationwide someday yeah that's that's awesome i you know we i i'm not i obviously i'm saying this because um, the sponsor of this show and, uh, you know, because I, I have a marketing contract with New Garage Cabinet, the, yeah, uh, one, of the, one of the sponsors yeah. of the, the, the Desert Pool Tour. Uh, right. Uh, Diamond Pool Tour. Um, I, that's why, I, you know, other than it being in my hometown, hometown home area, um, I've got more and loving pool and wanting to be involved in it somehow. It's, sure. uh, he's, he's making this a lot bigger for me because it's part of my job. It's part of my passion. I've got friends and, you know, I went, right. I was up there last Saturday 
and so so many people I haven't seen in a little while, you know. Right, right. Uh, with Tommy Tokov was was there, and you obviously and Mike. Right. It's just it, it means something to me to do something and uh, for us to be involved. Well, it's real. It's it's great because it brings everybody together, and uh, that that's the. That's the best part, you know, for $50, which is our entry fee. You, you know, you get to play against top competition and see people you haven't seen in years. And uh, and when it brings everybody together, you feel like a family again. You feel like you're united. You feel like you've, you've joined something that matters. And it's really nice. It, 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 was a, it was a real special weekend for me because this isn't this hasn't been my field of, of, of work for growing up. I was the player, and... Now I'm starting to get into stuff where I'm helping people and and running tours is uh it was it was a very special special event for me that's for sure. Well, hopefully there's more to come with that and keep your eyes and ears open. I'm sure it'll be on easy billions uh, since we've got an inside connection there. Um, it'll be well publicized. Um, good, buddy. Let's let think. How's your wrist doing, man? My wrist is great, thanks to you. Helping no, me find, no, helping no, me find a surgeon. No, you know what? I, I I got lucky and found a real good surgeon, and uh, my wrist was ready to go in two weeks after the surgery. So that that was really it, never it, an issue, luckily. Well, it could have been worse, couldn't it? And, and there was something that you were worried about. I remember talking to you on the phone when we talked about it. And you were worried that you might not be able to, of course, make it bridge anymore. Yeah, I was I was pretty concerned, but. Uh, I like to move forward from there because that's over with and I'm playing well. <laughs> Good. All right, my friend. Well, is there anybody you'd like to thank? Any uh, uh, any of your well, sponsors or friends? I know Fast Lenny does a lot of good stuff out there, doesn't he, uh, on the desert? Sure. Fast, Fast Lenny and On the Rail TV, he's, he's been my partner for years. Neil's Garage Cabinets here in, here in Mesa area, they're, they're huge. They've, they've given us a lot of money for the tour. And then uh, Green Mail. The, you know, the Casino del Sol Resort in Tucson. Obviously, QB Custom Cues, QBCustomCues.com, they're huge for me, too. They made me a $15,000 queue, and they'll make anybody anything they want. And uh, it's definitely reasonably priced, as long as you're not going overboard with something like what I did. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate it, Mark, and I appreciate the time that you take to do this, because I know there's no money involved, and Hopefully, we're making the game grow one voice at a time. I, I thought you were going to pay me something for this. <laughs> Is that deal off the table now? It's done? All right. What's well, that? I thought you were going to give me like 500 for this. <laughs> That's off the table. <laughs> Again. Again. All right, but you, you, right. you take it easy, and uh, thanks for taking the time, giving us some information, and right. uh, we'll speak to you again soon, man. All right. Thanks, Mark. Well, that's it. Uh, another edition of the Legends and Champions Report with myself, Mark Cantrell, and Scott the Freezer Frost. Um, lots of things going on. You know, things are looking up. Remember the start last year, we were talking about where's food going, what's going to happen. It's like there's more things going on than we thought. So, for now, I will bid you farewell. I appreciate everybody's time and everybody listening. This is Mark Cantrell, the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona, on the one and only American Billion Radio. <laughs>
on the scene Such a long time to waste playing pool Fourteen hours of being the fool The leather creaked as the nine ball dropped Ending all hope for a comeback pop Fourteen hours of chalk up and play